such a wonderful Father unto us. This morning, we are filled with the joy, the joy of salvation. We're so thankful for the ultimate sacrificial love that Christ has brought unto us from the heart of the Father. We are here. We are the fruit of your love. Sacrificial love whose life was extinguished on the cross, whose blood was poured out for my sins, for our sins. We are your church. We are your people, sons and daughters of the Almighty God. We worship you and adore you. Receive the worship of our hearts this morning. We love you, Father. We love you, Jesus. We love you and honor your Holy Spirit. We ask you to bestow at this end of the year, Lord, a double portion of your presence, of your love, of your mighty power over your church. We ask more of your wisdom, wisdom from above. Lead us into your truth. And bless this word that we are about to read. And help us to open our hearts and minds to the word that can sanctify us. We want to draw near to you. To draw near to your heart. Father, bless the rest of this service, Lord. And bless us as your people to continue to grow in the likeness of your son, Jesus Christ. The Lord that we wait for, His second coming. Help us to be found expecting your coming in sanctification of our souls and minds and hearts and emotions and desires. Lord, I ask you to bless Bethesda Church with a double portion today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Dear Bethesda Church, let's continue to worship the Lord in reading the scripture, the same passage that Pastor Simi has, has read. Isaiah chapter 9, the first seven verses. A well-known prophetic passage. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zablon and the land of Naphtali. But in the later time, he had made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great, a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation, you have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with the joy of the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken on the day of the median. For every boot of the tramping warrior in the battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burnt as fuel for the fire. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given. 
and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Amen. Please be seated. Dear brothers and sisters, dear Bethesda Church, it is good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Just uh, our sister churches in the metropolitan Detroit have had to close their uh, doors because of the uh, situation that we'll go through. But we are so grateful that we can come in presence and to worship the Lord. We've been through the Thanksgiving season and we are two weeks, about two weeks into uh, the Advent season. And of course the Christmas season unofficially began right after the Halloween and you heard all those Christmas songs, maybe even before the end of October, all the department stores, they're playing all this, uh, most of them secular Christmas songs because uh, they tried to brighten the mood of the shoppers, maybe doubling hopefully the, uh, what they spent last year. But why are the department stores and actually all the stores, even the grocery stores using music? Because as you probably know, psychologically speaking, songs are especially powerful and they can have a huge influence on how people feel, think and act. Songs have power which brings us to our text this morning, Isaiah 9. This passage is not a a narrative is not a, uh, a store, is actually a prophetic song. Songs, as I said, have power where there's no hope to bring joy, when there's no uh, joy to bring light in the midst of darkness. It is important to understand the, the context of this prophetic song. Uh, so if you just look at uh, chapter 8, the one prior to our pastors this morning, these events took place about 700 years before the birth of Christ, before the first Christmas. And the Spirit of God inspired uh, the prophet Isaiah to bring this prophetic song of hope in the midst of darkness, difficulty, and distress that the people of God, the elected people of Israel were going at that time. The Assyrian Empire was oppressing Israel and the elected people was deeply in bondage, despair and hardship. They had a choice to make. They had, like all of us, had a choice to make. Would they turn their hearts to God? Would they turn completely their lives towards the source of life? Or they will continue and doing the things, doing things in their own ways. 
In a similar way, my beloved, each and every one of us, even if it's 2,700 years later, we are called by God to walk in the light and to walk away from darkness. Let's read actually Isaiah 8, 19 to 22 to establish the context of uh, chapter 9. Just to add to understanding, to our understanding, verse 19, the Bible says, And when they say to you, and this is God speaking to prophet Isaiah, Inquire of the mediums and the necromancers who chirp and mutter. Should not a people inquire of their God? Should they inquire of the dead on behalf of the living? To the teaching and to the testimony. If they will not speak according to this world, it is because they have no dawn. They will pass through the land greatly distressed and hungry. And when they are hungry, they will be enraged and will speak contemptuously against their king and their God and turn their faces upward. And they will look to the earth, but behold, distress and darkness and gloom, the gloom of anguish, and they will be thrust into thick darkness. This is actually the context where we need to understand when this song, prophetic song of chapter 9 Isaiah comes piercing, at least with a ray of hope, the darkness of despair that this people of God were going through. What is the important thought to 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 observe in chapter 8, which is the context of, verse, of chapter 9, is that God offered them light. But they opted, they chose darkness. God's chosen people, the people of the book, the ones that they had the scripture, the Torah, the books of the wisdom and the Psalms, they had the revelation of the Almighty God in the book. They were supposed to look for their answers in those tragic times in the word of God, especially in those existential times. But instead of consulting God and looking into the Torah, they were consulting idols. They were consulting the spirit of the dead. And that's why the prophet Isaiah had to warn the people of Israel to return to God's teaching and to the testimony. Because in the midst of being famine, famished, they were dying of hunger. They were being killed without any, any hope every day. Their women were, were raped. Their children and youth were taken captive. In those dark times, instead of turning their hearts to God, instead of returning and repenting and coming back to their God, they were going to idols and they were inquiring of the dead, which is an abomination to our living God. My beloved, we know that we are surrounded by darkness. It is, and the darkness is actually exponentially ever increasing just those of us who are still young like myself 30 years ago when I came to United States 
And looking back now, 30 years after, I cannot recognize America. Because America is constantly self-destructing. The darkness is falling deeper and denser every single day. If you watch the news, those of us who are still watching, I haven't been watching news much since uh, the election was over. I confess to you that I watched too much before. I haven't been watching, but I know what's in the news. You know, we are kind of connected and just, they come in, you know, the, the headlines, you know. But we see that there an ever-increasing darkness. Darkness is taking over our society, over the entire political systems, the structures, over the educational systems. The darkness is taking over financial, over media, over arts, over everything that is a structure or a system of our system or of our society. But we also see darkness, how it's affecting even human relationships. In our own church community, we have people who've experienced pain and still experiencing suffering. Some who ex have experienced draining depressions and crippling anxieties. Even in the people of God, we have those who need to heal from past hurts. We have among us those who have experienced the battles of addictions, even among God's people. And there are so many types of addictions and many among us have felt the experience of unfortunately losing a loved one. Yes, indeed, darkness is real and we sense it. We live through it. It's getting darker and darker every pass with every passing day. But there is something else that's also true. As the evangelist of the Old Testament, the prophet Isaiah, he's starting to sing this song of prophetic song. Let's read verses 1 and 2 from chapter 9. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time he brought into contempt the land of Zabulon and the land of Naphtali. But in the later time he had made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness on them has Light shone. Although it's true that when God offered a light or offers us light as a people, as a nation, we oftentimes would choose darkness. You know what else is also true? God refused to give up on us to remain permanently in the darkness that our ancestors, our Great, 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 great parents, Adam and Eve, took us with their disobedience and their rebellion against God. Because that's when darkness started to sip into the human race, into the human societies. And by the time of chapter 6, God said, I've, I'm sorry that I created humankind. And in the times of Noah, he wiped 
out the entire race and gave it a new fresh, a new beginning. But things continued, even from the righteous Noah and his family, the darkness continued from that very point. And until now, it has become really, really thick. Do you know what's my favorite word? One of my favorite words in this text is the word but. Or other translations is nevertheless. In limba romana, totuși în tunericul, totuși. But. And I assure you that if we would invite here in, on this stage, will be person after person that would come and confess and testify to God's grace, to God's light, to God's love, to God's redemption. I assure you there would be many who could say, I was deep and drowning into the waters of addiction, but God came through. Some could say, my marriage was falling apart, and I thought that my life has fallen apart. However, God came through. Or some could say, when my loved one died, I thought that I had died also. Nevertheless, God, but God came through. Glory to Jesus. God refused to give us, to give us, to give up on us forever to remain in this darkness. Verse 1 says that in the past, in the former time, he humbled the people of the land of Zebulun and Naphtali. But in the future, he, he will honor the people in Galilee of the nations. This region in the northern Palestine, my beloved, the Galilee of the nations was a backwards place. Was a mix of Jewish and non-Jewish population. And they were just... It was so much darkness, darkness in the northern region of Palestine. And the people were deep into darkness. It, they were idolatrous. It was a shameful place. But let us hear what the evangelist Matthew recorded in chapter 4, in Matthew 4, 13 through 15, regarding the one who declared about himself, I am the light of the world are you with me guys i am the light of the world this is what matthew recorded leaving nazareth jesus went and lived in capernaum by the sea in the territory of zebulun and naphtali so that what was spoken by the prophet isaiah might be fulfilled the land of zebulun the land of naphtali the way of the sea beyond the jordan galilee of the gentiles the People dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region and shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. The darkness of all places in that area in the Middle East have seen the light when Jesus was walking the earth in those times. Because Jesus is the light of the world. And his presence was piercing the darkness that that area, those people, the whole world was living in. Glory to Jesus. In verse 2, we see that those people living in darkness, God promised them that he will bring light. And in fact, the prophet Isaiah was so sure about this prophecy. Let's read verse 2 again. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. 
Now this is seven years before. Maybe seven and thirty years because Jesus started his ministry around age thirty. Who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt, it's past perfect here. In a land of deep darkness on them has light shone. It's all in a perfect tense. And this is uh, something that uh, the Bible scholars are calling the, the prophetic perfect sense. It is a figure of, of, uh, lit, of literature or style where when the things of the future are so for sure that will be coming to being that they use something that already has happened. It is something similar with what Jesus is teaching us. When you are asking something of the Father, what should we do? To thank him like we already have received it. And this is something that Isaiah the prophet was so sure, was absolutely sure 700 years before the coming of Jesus Christ that God will send a savior, a redeemer, just as sure as Job was. He said, I'm going into the grave, but I take my hope with me. And my hope is that one day my redeemer will arise on this earth. He was so sure was the prophetic spirit of God resting on God's people. Verses 3 and 5 describe the, those who were experiencing despair that someday will experience joy. A redeeming joy. Joy over despair. God will break the yoke of slavery, of bondage. The yoke that was so heavy on the shoulders, on the lives of those people. To a people engulfed, he continues, a people engulfed in violence, God promised to bring his shalom, his peace, that people cannot even comprehend. God loves Israel. Can we agree on that? God loves Israel with an eternal love, his chosen people. And he promised to the father of Israel, to Abraham, that through your seed I will bless not only Israel, I will bless all the nations, all races, all languages, all tongues, all the people. And that seed is Jesus Christ, glory to him. The seed of Abraham. That he promised in Genesis 12. All of Adam and Eve descendants. All of us that we have come from the first pair. We carry within us the image and the likeness of God our creator. And God loves us all. And in Christ he has offered redemption and salvation. Not only to the elect ones as some theologians think or declare like in Calvinism in Jesus's blood there is redemption for all the people for all who receive the grace of salvation by faith in Jesus Christ that's exactly what the prophecy of Isaiah 9 6 declares for unto us a child is born to us a son 
is given. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Because Jesus' counsel and his word leads to life. And life abundant. When we lead our life according to our own counsel. To our own ideologies and mentality and thoughts. Which is actually the counsel of the world. The destination is always darkness. The destination is always destruction and death. Let's listen to Ephesians chapter 2 verses 1 through 6. Please place it on the script, on a screen. Let's read it together. Ephesians chapter 2, 1 through 6. And you were dead. And I was dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Following the course or the counsel of this world. Following the prince of the power of the air. The spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh. Carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. And where. And we were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. This is my fav favorite word. But God. We were all drowning in despair. Drowning under condemnation. But God. Hallelujah. But Jesus. But God who is rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses. Made us alive together with Christ. Hallelujah. He brought us from darkness and deadness. To light and to love. To life. Glory to Jesus. By grace you have been saved. There's nothing that I could have done to save myself. Nothing. Nothing. Somebody cannot pull his own bootstraps to lift him off himself from the floor. It's impossible. We cannot save ourselves. It is Jesus' mercy. This is God's grace. Hallelujah. We are saved by grace. And raise us up with him. Secondly, Jesus is the mighty God. Mighty also means warrior. Mighty means warrior. The promised child is God with us. Emmanuel. Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. But he's also the mighty God, the warrior God. If in Emmanuel, Jesus is God with us. In the mighty warrior, Jesus is for us. He's battled for us. He, he went to the cross for us. And he warred against darkness and the devil. Because Jesus is God for us. And this is my beloved, the good news. Jesus, the incarnated God, lived a perfect life. And a perfect obedience to the Father. And he went to the cross and atoned. Atoned for our sins. The Bible declares that Jesus destroyed the works of the devil. The works of the darkness. And by dying on the cross he received, he received in himself the wrath of God. That we were supposed to get it. But he got it instead of us. Glory to Jesus. And he died on a cross so we can live gloriously and eternally with God the Father, the Son, 
and the Holy Spirit. Glory to Jesus. He is the Prince of Peace who was pierced for our transgressions, who was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement, the punishment that brought us peace. And by his wounds, we are healed. My beloved, it is dark out there. It is really dark and is getting darker. A life without the Prince of Peace, without Jesus, means a life under the jurisdiction of the other prince, the prince of darkness, the prince of despair and bondage. There is no middle ground. You either under the divine under the jurisdiction of the prince of love, the prince Jesus, king of kings, or you are under the jurisdiction of darkness and the principalities, the prince of darkness. There's no middle ground. Jesus declared, the thief, the devil, comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that my people will have life and life abundant. There's no life without Jesus. Apart from me, you cannot do anything. Apart from Jesus, we have no life. We have no future. We have no destiny in heaven. We have a destiny that we don't want to talk about it this morning. To the teaching and to the testimony, my beloved and young people, young folks, I am, I, Romeo Pele. I am a living testimony to the truth that only Jesus, the light of the world, has the power to destroy darkness only Jesus has the power to destroy darkness to break chains to break shackles to break addictions only Jesus listen I understand where you are and what you're dealing with 35 years ago I was myself in darkness in deep darkness in the murky waters of the interlope world back in Romania. While I was meditating and praying about this message, the Spirit of God prompted me, said, you have not presented lately your testimony. And when the word says, back to the testimony, hear my testimony, my beloved brothers and sisters, young folks, by the age 16, I was mesmerized by science and science fiction. I was an avid reader. I was a top student, which helped to, you know, to love books. I was going with two luggages at the, remember those? My folks, my age, anti-cariat, like a used books. I was taking two luggages with used books, sell them, and on that money purchase two other suitcases with books. And I was so much into history, into, into science. And in those times, my mom just got, I mean, when I was five, my mom became a Christian. My dad, my dad was a communist, was an atheist. He, he was, uh, I lived under... Uh, two worldviews and my father was not agreeing with my mom that so poke ate 
My mom suffered for her faith, but she never gave up. I was always fascinated by the theories that we, as a human race, we are the experiment of a higher extraterrestrial intelligence. And this planet Earth was more like a lab, that they were looking at us, how we develop, and they were kind of playing with us. I want to believe anything and everything that rejected God's existence. I did not believe in God's existence. I didn't want to believe in God's existence. Because you know why? To call my conscience. Because God placed in every one of us a conscience. Where he is talking to us. Sometimes we want to muffle it down. To just quiet it down. We don't want to hear God's voice through our conscience. And what I was doing, I was just constantly muffling God's voice that you do not exist. I don't want you to exist. Because when God exists, you know what? There is a final judgment. If God exists, then I will one day stand before him and give a response to everything that I've done. So I live my life apart from God, knowing in my heart that God does not exist. As an atheist, I became a slave of alcohol before my going to the military service. I became an, a slave to tobacco. I was smoking three packs of cigarettes. Thank God there were no drugs back in the communist Romania because I would have definitely tested and tasted. I became a slave to darkness and a slave to my own vices. We live in a world where people live, uh, love their shackles, their chains, their vices. They even brag about. I was one of them. I was bragging how much I was able to drink, how much I was able to do all these stupid, dark things. All of that because I did not believe in God's existence. I was self-destructing, slowly but sure suicide. I was in a mission to self-destruct. Matter of fact, half of my bodies from that time been dead for a long time. And some of them are dying now of all sorts of self-induced illnesses. But God. I had a mother who never stopped praying. I had a mother who was a prayer warrior. Like you have a mother and a father that are praying and fasting and crying out for, to God for you. And you know what? God will never hit you over the head to say, get into my heaven, get into my paradise, get into my heaven. No. But because your mother, because my mother was praying for me, my beloved, she, God constantly put me in situations and circumstances that I had to, to face God and say no to him and no to him. But my mother's prayers were like a shield of protection over me. Over and over and over again, people, my buddies that we were fighting, street fighters and all that, going to discotheques and all that, 
We got in a fight and some of my friends were broken jaws, broken whatever. I was okay, got a fist or two, but never really damaged. God protected me even in my craziness because of my mother's prayers. Hallelujah. My mom never stopped. And because of my mother's prayers, one day on January 8th, 1986, God sent a prophet, an old Hungarian general, 72 years of age, Yanni Bachi. And this guy was a gentleman, was such a gentle spirit. He knew that my dad was not a Christian. So this was my, after my military service, I was not 21 yet. And God sent this, this old man, this prophet into my home. And he thought that God sent him there for my father. I came from work around 4 o'clock. Always came home, eat fast and go. And didn't know if I'm going to come at night home. Because I, I was a vagabond. So when I came into the house, this old man was talking to my dad. My mom was gone for her second shift at work. And my sister says, a prophet came to our house. I said, what's a prophet? So a man of, a man of God who God uses to speak about things that nobody knows and about the future. I said, baloney, I don't believe in that. But I was intrigued. God used that curiosity in my life. So until my sister prepared for dinner, I went and sat down in a suffrageria in the living room with my dad and this older gentleman. And he was surprised that Sora Maria Bayat, that she had a son. And God spoke to him in that moment, this is the, the soul that I sent you here for. So they were talking and he found out that I'm an atheist, that I'm a vagabond, that I'm a, I'm a no good. And he had the spirit of God. He dared, he was bold, said, may I pray for both of you? So at 5 o'clock I was ready to go for a dating with a Hungarian girl. It was my girlfriend at that time. He said, oh yeah, go ahead, pray. But I was very sarcastic. I was just looking at him like a man that doesn't know what's his name. Lost because I was a man of science. I was bragging with my scientific knowledge. And that guy started praying in a, with words that I didn't understand. What are those? And he had a word for my dad, and then he had a word, prophetic word for me. He was speaking in tongues I never heard. And he said, young man, this is the day, the hour that, the God, that God has prepared to speak to you. I know all of your life, but I will not put them up front. But I'm calling you. I'm calling you to life, to light. I will change your life and you will be a servant of mine and you will testify my name before other people like yourself. And I told this man, you know what? Probably my mom told you that I'm a vagabond, I'm a, a, a bad guy. 
but I don't believe a word of what you said because I don't believe in God. If God exists, I challenge him. If God exists, let him talk to me about something that only me, not mom and dad, nobody else, just me knows about it. And, be, and that old man said, because you challenge God, God will come through and will speak to you to your secrets, the secrets of your heart. And he started praying. And I want to shrink my message because it's time. But the moment when he opened his mouth to, to pray again, and he started to speak for a short time in tongues, and then he said, Asculta tinerle. Listen, young man. Thus says the Lord, your creator. And he told me, that I was planning to run over the border. Nobody knew, not even nobody, just me and one body of mine because I, have an, I had an uncle, Dan Mosh. I wanted to run into America. He said, if you put your plans in application, you will be killed, shot on a border. Don't do it. And secondly, the Delilah that you plan to go and date on a date this evening, She's not the one that I want to bless you with. I had prepared a special vessel that I want to bless you, that together you will be my servants. Now, my beloved, by the time he was done with the first part, I, who I was sitting on a sofa like this, and look at him sarcastically, I dropped on my knees on my fours, and I was shaking, I was shaking, me, the strong guy, I was shaking like a leaf in the wind. And I couldn't stop my mouth saying, exista Dumnezeu, exista Dumnezeu, exista Dumnezeu, God exists. I couldn't stop, I couldn't stop, I forced myself to stop it, I couldn't stop. I was shaking, then declaring God's existence. Me, the atheist, I got up, I was all sweat to the underwear in January. I went outside, I threw away my cigarettes. I didn't go to meet with, with uh, Bobby was her name, with Delilah. And every single second of my that day's existence was exista dumnezeu. I went to sleep, I couldn't sleep, exista dumnezeu, exista dumnezeu. Next day, I went back and purchased my cigarettes. I couldn't, though, erase from my mind, exista Dumnezeu. January 12th, that Sunday, was the last day of that week of evangelism at Oradea, Biserica 1 Oradea. Was an engineer, a preacher, Akim Koryalan. Koryalan. He was a, a man in his 50s. And God used that man to speak to me, to my heart, like he knew me, like an open book. I was up at the balcony, and in a moment when he said at the end of his sermon, if you want to become a child of God, raise your right hand. I don't know why he said right hand, but he said right hand. And I couldn't because my right hand was like lead. De plume. I couldn't. I wanted to raise my hand because I knew God loved me. 
And I, then I took my right, left hand and I raised my right hand. In that moment, the hell broke loose. I was de-shackled, de-chained. The chains fell off. When I came down, my mom didn't know I was at the church that night. When she looked at my eyes, she knew that something happened, that I became a child of God. Because my eyes were not injected anymore with darkness, with hate. It was God's working for me. I thought I was not, never going to be able to, to get rid of all my vices, of cigarettes, of alcohol, and other things. I was so vulgar. My punctuations were just cursing God. And God cleansed me, renewed me. Because the light of the world came into the darkness of my life and heart. Let's stand up. If God has the power to do it for me and for hundreds and thousands and millions of people, he has the power to do it for you. If anyone this morning is here and desires for us to pray, the church, the pastors, all of us, to pray for you, I invite you up front. Let's pray together that the chains and the shackles of darkness will fall off and the people of God will be released and redeemed to his glory. So you can go empowered from this place that you would live to his glories. Anyone who wants to, for us to pray, now is the moment. Now is the moment to come up front, to dedicate or rededicate your life. Maybe you just took a downturn, a detour. But today is the day that the Holy Spirit wants you to rededicate your life to Christ. Is anybody here at the balcony or here in, in the sanctuary who wants to rededicate your life to God? Today is the day. Please come forward. Church, pray. Start praying. Let's start praying. Let's rededicate our lives, young folks. Let's come before the Holy Spirit and say, I want you to fill my heart. I want you to fill my vessel. I want to serve you. The pastors and the press elders, let's pray for young people. Let's, let's rededicate all of us to God. Hallelujah.